0: Welcome back to the Deal podcast show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising, and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. So this episode is brought to you by Northpass Business. Again, small businesses and startups they often work with limited resources and reduce costs wherever possible. While this is sometimes practical, cybersecurity is one area where you don't want to cut corners. Creating strong, unique passwords for your company's accounts is a surefire way to defend your business from data breaches. However, with the number of personal and work logins we use daily, it's very easy to get password fatigue, leading to reusing the same passwords across accounts. So NordPass Business is a powerful password manager for organizations that removes the difficulty of generating and remembering strong passwords for you and your colleagues. Additionally, it allows for you to integrate single sign-on with your company's Google workspace accounts and effortlessly create groups to share sensitive information across teams and projects. So see NordPass Business in action now with a three-month Free trial by going to NordPass.com forward slash Pantera and use the code Pantera. This episode is brought to you by Basecamp. So Basecamp is a project management and team communication application that has been around for about 18 years and it's used by thousands of companies today. Basecamp is all about simplicity. It is designed to give you and your team the tools you need to get work done. They have message boards, to-dos, file storage, chat, calendar, and much more. Basecamp is built to help you in getting out of your way and let you focus on what matters. Again, you know, like when you're adding a bunch of people, there's a bunch of files that need to be shared. You need to be effective. And that's where Basecamp comes in. They actually are from the guys that brought to you 37 signals. And really, they help in making decisions simple and also effective. So, Go to Basecamp. Their pricing is simple, and they give you the all—all all really the features in a single plan. No upsells, no upgrades. Go to basecamp.com/dealmakers forward slash dealmakers and try Basecamp for free. No credit card required, and cancel at any time. Thank you, Basecamp, for sponsoring this episode. All Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DealMaker Show. So today we have a really exciting founder. You know, we're going to be talking about building, scaling. I mean, she's done it all uh, and all the good stuff that we like to hear about the fundraising. Also, she was part of an exit. So great insights that we're going to be getting out of this conversation. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Stephanie Kirkpatrick. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here.
0: So you were born in Oregon, but uh, obviously from uh, immigrant uh, parents. So I'm sure that, uh, you know, that was quite, you know, an experience also for you. So how was life growing up?
1: You know, it's such a really deep part of who I am ultimately to have a dad who was born in the former Yugoslavia and who came to the U.S. when he was seven and how it shaped me in terms of, you know, what it was like to live in a household that wasn't filled with traditional American traditions, right? How we thought about gifting, how we thought about saving, spending, his context, um and ultimately, what it showed me is the importance of what the American wallet needs in terms of financial services. It like deeply shaped me to want to solve for kind of what I think is an evergreen solution, which is how do you help everybody of every background know what to do with the next dollar, with their last dollar, with whatever dollar they have to push it further, to make it worth more? And so it ended up putting me on a path to become a certified financial planner, which then put me on the path to be where we are today. Um, And so much of that is just tied back to my dad um, and the childhood I had that, you know, really informed wanting to be on a path to constantly be in a position to give back.
0: And I'm sure that I also uh, push you into the entrepreneurial, you know, path, because I'm sure that, you know, him coming here, you know, building his own path to, you know, the uncertainty, I'm sure that you had, you know, a lot to learn from him.
1: It must be in my DNA to be an entrepreneur. My dad was running small businesses, always thinking about an idea, always tinkering with something in the garage. And I think it it was inspiration, right? To think, I can build that. I can do that. All you have to do is start. And I think just watching like the incredible generation of ideas and opportunities that were self-created from someone who didn't get a college education, whose where English wasn't their first language, whose background was very poor, um, inspired me to say, you know what, I'm going to say yes, when the opportunity comes to give it my all to try a side hustle to turn that side hustle into a business. Um, and to lean in where others I think would ultimately lean out because the opportunity to own and build is so powerful. It's so satisfying. But I think it's super unique. I don't think everyone has the DNA. Um, I think the appetite for uncertainty and unknowns that come with believing in yourself and believing in the potential of what you could be working on.
0: So talk to us about moving to Southern California, you know, studying there and becoming a financial planner.
1: Well, it's relevant that you asked me about Southern California uh, in January. Uh, well, I currently live in New York because I'll tell you this, the impetus <laughs> to leave beautiful, green, lovely Pacific Northwest living was to get to the sunshine, where I thought I would stay forever, by the way. Um, and, uh, you know, spending my, my college years in Southern California was a true gift Um, And it put me on a path to end up working um, right out of college for an incredible company where I actually did get that chance to say, listen, I'm fresh off of becoming a CFP, Certified Financial Planner, and I'm fresh off of learning all the basics of how time value of money math works. Can I put that to better use than just financial planning for hundreds, thousands of customers? Can I build software that could take that reach further? Can I build a better user experience? And I still laugh, but it's true, I built my first technology project by going on Elance, which is now Upwork, and finding an American who'd moved to India to build a dev shop. And I emailed with him and I was like, I need to build this. he says back, you're going to need to send me some wireframes. And I'm like, looking around, what are wireframes, right? Quick Google search, quick download of a free software. And suddenly I'm a product manager, um, or at least on the path to becoming one. And so, you know, living in Southern California, it was interesting because my appetite for Technology was really high, but my awareness of what was going on in Silicon Valley, ultimately in New York in the tech scene was kind of limited until I began to get a little bit more exposure to um, what ultimately led me to come live in New York, which is a legitimate startup, um, one that really carried the same personal mission and vision that I had, where I knew I could go have incredible impact.
0: So how do you land the, in Learn Best? You know, what a, what a rocket ship and what a great outcome. So how, how did that happen?
1: Well, you know, it's funny that you ask. Uh, I was introduced uh, to uh, the CEO, Alexa von Tobel, who at the time was the founder. And we realized that there was an opportunity together to take what had been built so far and turn it into something that would have broader reach that could use software. And at the time, software as a service and a a subscription platform was actually a pretty new concept. Um, And we weren't focused on investment advice, we were focused on financial advice, right? How can you get the 99% to have the answer to the question? student loans or medical bills, or, you know, savings or retirement, life insurance or disability insurance, right? Because for some people, the answer is A or B, just given the dollars they have available. So it was a really incredible time in my career, in my life, um, to be young, to be sitting alongside just an incredible powerhouse female founder, and to watch kind of from the front row, what zero to one company building looks like, where there wasn't product market fit. And we had to figure out what that would look like. Um, All the way through the journey of actually building the IP, patenting all of the intellectual property, and then selling our entire business and that IP to a massive insurance company, Northwestern Mutual, um, back in 2015, where then you go from a startup where you think you're going to have reach to maybe hundreds of thousands to suddenly having reach to millions. And the power that that brings to the inspiration of what you're working on. But the challenge it introduces, which is you're no longer just a startup that can build whatever it wants, whenever it wants. Um, And so leading the post-merger integration work um, was one more kind of checkbox in the path of being an entrepreneur, which is to understand um, how do you bring something really powerful like a new technology to life and transform um, truly a 150-year-old business into a digital power player.
0: And I believe the terms of that uh, transaction were announced. What what, what was the outcome of uh, LearnVest again? We,
1: I'm sure the, the terms are written down somewhere. Yeah. It was a 350 million dollar transaction.
0: Wow, that's incredible! I guess say, uh, you know, two, you know, for you, I mean, you were for seven years in Learnvest. I mean, that's quite uh, a while. You know, in startup uh, years, I mean, it's like dog years. No, that's incredible. <laughs> no, if you were are to you convert- calling me old, are you <laughs> calling me old. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I mean, I'm sure that for you too, that was an incredible experience to be able to see what the full cycle of a company looks like. No.
1: I mean, it really is. And I think it's why um, everything I have done since then has been like a startup. And Orem today is a startup. But what I did even between our Best and Hear, the zero to one framework, it's really special. Not everyone's wired for it. But those who are wired for it, once you taste it, I was sitting with our director of sales uh, who joined from Klarna. And this is his first time in this early of a stage of a company at Orem. And we were talking about that moment when you're like, wow, I would never go back. Right? Because... You are in a position with every decision you make every day, and every ounce of energy you put forth to have impact in the direction of the company and the outcomes of that company. And um, yeah, it's not easy every day, right? There are, are twists and turns, there are highs and lows, there are days when you think I don't have another hour to give um, at the the end of an overnight or, or a long day. But ultimately, um, being in an entrepreneurial seat, I think the learning of being in zero to one and, and recognizing. That's where the innovation happens. That's where the magic starts. That for me is something I'll never be able to, to not have in my life.
0: So then after the transaction, what happened? So
1: we stayed, right? I think a successful transaction, probably worth a case study, um, is exactly the one between LearnBest and Northwestern Mutual, which is today there are 400, probably 500 people in New York still under you know an extension of that brand operating in a technology capacity, driving massive amounts of innovation. After a number of years of officially integrating the the system that we were building to deliver financial advice that was a proprietary asset to Northwestern Mutual allowed them to decommission vendors, holistically update systems, and deliver a world-class experience to customers in a fully digital way. So it's been transformational watching that, um, and I remain in close contact and sort of a proud uh, supporter from the, from the sidelines.
0: I mean, three years. I mean, it, it's it's. I'm sure it was kind of like a little weird too from going like from seven years like crazy, like in the super high gear to all of a sudden now you're like in a massive organization, no? Like was it like a, a little like going from like craziness to like a little bit slow motion or no?
1: Well, it's a funny question because I would say we were running, let's say on the treadmill at like 10 miles per hour. And then actually to accomplish everything we needed to do to merge companies, you needed to run at 15 miles an hour, but you were now running 15 miles an hour uphill. So you're running faster, but it's a little bit harder because you're encountering things you've never seen before, right? In a startup, maybe I was the final decision maker for signing off on a piece of software that would allow our engineers to push code faster or easier. And and suddenly now I'm not, right? Um, There's also an incredible amount of learning. That you gain when you are forced to slow down and ask about ROI. Because at some point, profit and profitability becomes an important end game, distinct from innovation and constant cycles of could be's and maybes. And I think actually, a startup scale, they do hit those moments. It doesn't mean you have to be at acquisition or post acquisition, uh, but it certainly just painted a very interesting picture. And I think I'm actually unique if you look at sort of my peer set that I stayed seven, eight years, and then another three years, most of my jobs have been long, right? Eight years, eight years, and then a couple of years of smaller things. Most people today switch jobs on average every 18 to 24 months. And so maybe I did age forward and backwards a little bit in the dog years of a startup life. But I think it's ultimately where can you get the most career experience? And that's not always a derivative of title, certainly not a derivative of paycheck, For me, it's a derivative of where can I have the most impact and where can I have a seat at a table that I otherwise didn't have a seat at where I can be learning? And how can I then use that to think about my entrepreneurial journey? And ultimately, how can I use that to help bring others around me up into their next chapter? So in many ways, it was just one of the most incredible, I'm gonna say like my Harvard education, but I got paid kind of experience to be in a post-merger integration like that.
0: That's amazing. Now, in your case, you know, we're going to talk about the entrepreneurial journey, you know, in just a little bit, you know, with Orum. But the immediate step, you know, before you got there was Cycle and Equinox. So what were you doing, you know, there?
1: This is where everybody scratches their heads, right? What is this like financial planner who's been doing FinTech forever and, and only FinTech doing? And the reality is, you know, I wanted to go see what it was like to build different skills. And I think part of what made me ready for the journey to be a founder and a CEO at Orum was to go into a place where, um, I'd be leading a corporate innovation project to help a brick and mortar business or set of businesses figure out what their digital strategy was going to be and then execute it, right? So launching Equinox Media, building a connected hardware product, managing pieces of the supply chain, those were net new things. And I think career for me is, again, it's not title, it's not salary. Those are nice to have. Uh, They usually come with part of the journey, but it was really like accumulating more knowledge. Someday I might be responsible for a bigger P&L that has to contemplate a certain type of risk. And I've never seen that before. How do I go to exposure to that, but also stay true to the things I care about? So I wanted to work for a female CEO. At the time, Soul Cycle was run by a woman, had been founded by women. I wanted to work in a category I was excited about, health and well-being, fitness. Those are important to me still in my everyday life. They show up everywhere in terms of how I think about sleep, activity, exercise, et cetera. Um, and I wanted to gain those skills. And so it was a super awesome journey In some ways, maybe the most learnings because you had a certain, I think, point in your career where you've matured into paying real close attention not to climbing the ladder, but to accumulating experiences and a network um, that might look wholly different than the financial planning network that had kind of always been the backbone of who I was. Um, So it was an incredible, in my life, short eighteen months. I think in the world of many people's careers, kind of standard timing um, to really just do something um, that felt like a left turn, but really ultimately um, brought me a ton of things that I I ended up finding were necessary for the next chapter. And actually now at Orem, there's probably five or six, maybe even seven people that worked with me or uh, on my teams at SoulCycle We're building something that's not fintech that actually ended up at Orem. Right skills, right time, right people. And I think that having been able to build a career where there's a tremendous amount of followership, it makes the entrepreneurial journey that much more exciting because you can look to those people and say, let's go. Right We already speak the same language. Let's lock arms. And to do it alone as a solo founder, especially as a non-technical founder and a woman, is no small thing. So to be able to lock arms with some folks that you know you trust. Um, a third of the company ha- and I have worked together in a past life, and that's really powerful for me too. And I hope that that becomes true for entrepreneurs who are listening. Um, choose your team really wisely. They are the DNA of your company. They are the reason why you will ultimately succeed as the entrepreneur, and and invest in those people. And that's part of what gets me really excited about company building.
0: So we'll get back to our conversation in a minute. But if you're an entrepreneur or a sales leader, you want to listen to this. Let me tell you about Wingman. Not, no, no, not Tom Cruise. Wingman is a conversation intelligence tool that helps folks like you coach and scale up their sales teams really fast, really easy. Now, I know you know scaling is not just about hiring. Getting the team up to speed can be the real speed bump. Well, Wingman can help you in getting that. It lets you build call libraries with game tapes relevant to every sales situation, complete with highlights and notes, and it's asynchronous. I mean, repeatable sales training engine. Not just that, Wingman even helps during sales calls with contextual battle cards and monologue alerts. The great thing about Wingman is that it plays nice with all your existing tools like Salesforce, HubSpot, Zoom, Teams, and Google. It even syncs up with Slack so you don't have to log into your CRM all the time for deal updates. So head over to trywingman.com to give it a try. That is T-R-Y-W-I-N-G-M-A-N.com. It's just the Wingman your sales needs to really predictably beat revenue targets quarter after quarter. This episode is brought to you by partner Hero, which provides customer service outsourcing that's built for the needs of scaling and high growth startups. They offer flexible terms, fast onboarding, and the ability to scale teams quickly, perfect for fast growing businesses. I mean, let's face it, you know, you're all startups, you know, it's time for you to really stop trying to do absolutely everything. You need to get yourself out of the supporting box, so you can actually focus on growing your business. So again, Partner Hero is flexible. They have quality assurance. They have offices around the world to really provide that help and support that you need. And if you're ready to bring in outside customer support help for your startup that feels like it's part of your existing team, then check out Partner Hero. Head over to partnerhero.com. Forward slash deal makers to book a free consultation with their solutions team and mention that you heard about Partner Hero from deal makers and they'll waive the setup fee. Now, in your case, at what point does Orum, you know, come to mind and at what point do you say, let's go?
1: So I thought about Orum for a lot longer than I think people realize, which I think is actually pretty classic for founders it starts when I'm young and I'm thinking about financial planning and it kind of segues into the different pieces of software and tech I worked on. But like the ultimate problem is time to money. As an immigrant, my dad had a, you know, difficult childhood and life as a result of the fact that he didn't have a standard bank account. He didn't have a credit score and he primarily worked jobs that were low wage cash under the table types of situations. And if he had a regular paycheck, The time to get that money, the time to reconcile access to dollars, to your own liquidity, it just became this very obvious problem and pain point that hasn't gotten any better. Frankly, it's a 50-year-old problem because we have a 50-year-old system that moves our money. So I saw it in my life firsthand. I saw it with everybody that I gave financial advice to as a financial planner. And then I saw it to the tune of really ultimately hundreds of thousands and millions of people at Northwestern Mutual. Who would say, yeah, that sounds like a great thing I should do? But if I move my money to this investment account, and I have an emergency on a Saturday, where right, the classic, you know, emergency, I can't get it back. Uh, I should just, I should keep it in cash. I don't want to move it. And it's not about how much wealth you have, although certainly access to liquidity changes over the wealth spectrum. It's about that uncertainty that it's my money, and if it's locked up somewhere on a Saturday and the banks are closed, I can't get access to it. So that's the motivation for building a company that today is the simplest API integration for instant payouts so that we can build better infrastructure to power everything in financial services. And the question isn't time to money. The question isn't how long will it take me to get my dollars from point A to point B out of an account that I need it from. The question is how can we optimize that experience? And what would you build differently if money moved instantly? And so that over time, the accumulation of seeing the pain point in the market Living it, watching it, seeing millions of people struggle with it, and realizing that software itself couldn't solve it because even the best software that knows where you should point your dollars can't actually transact any faster because the infrastructure is broken. Right. And so, Aura was born out of the idea that if we could solve that problem with software, but not with infrastructure, then where we should focus is with infrastructure. And so, as a payments company, as an embeddable piece of infrastructure, now the reach can be hundreds of millions of American wallets. And that, for me, that impact and reach, it's its a huge part of why I put one foot in front of the other every day to build a company.
0: So then for the people that are listening to Get It, what ended up being the business model of Orum? How do you guys make money?
1: Well, we make money when other people need to move money. So I think it's a pretty simple model. Uh, but let me tell you a little bit about what Orum does. Stepping back is the simplest API integration for instant payouts We allow the use of just one solution to deliver every type of payout, accessing RTP, ACH, same-day ACH, right? All the different ways that you could move money. And that's important because it lets customers that work with us, whether they serve businesses, consumers, implement instant payouts into their tech stack very easily, right? Easy to integrate, one sprint or less. I think the integration to beat is currently 13 days. And we have a customer right now trying to beat it and go live in like less than seven. So we'll see how that turns out. But under that API, you access all the major rails um, without costly bank integrations or prolonged compliance. So that is a game changer for companies who, especially in today's, let's call it tougher down market, don't have time or money to put towards implementation for payouts. And yet they know this solution is necessary so that they can launch a new payouts experience, which frankly attracts more customers. Um, it provides a ton of differentiation and it monetizes um, something wholly different and allows for diversification of revenue because when it comes to payouts, you're no longer stuck with just ACH, which will take seven days. Good luck to you. Um, or worse, a check that's literally going to get mailed to maybe even an address you don't have if it's like an insurance payout during, let's say, a storm. And this idea that you can diversify revenue with instant payouts is very interesting, especially now when consumer demand and business demand for instant withdrawals is at an all-time high. And then together with our partners, we grow, right? Grow beyond the payout solution and thrive in a world of real-time expectations with Aurum, because we're building what you're ultimately going to need in the future. We're not going to stop with RTP or FedNow or the fastest current form of money movement. We're going to continue to push boundaries and bring um, the ability to unlock new features through our APIs into the hands of our customers. And that to me is why I think when you step back and think about one, how do we get paid, which was the ultimate question, and two, why is it valuable? Um, it's because of the opportunity to have streamlined infrastructure. And so our platform fee covers a lot of the things I talked about. You license things like that compliance layer, right? And the fact that you don't have to worry about being a bank or any regulatory risk. And then you pay per transaction and you pay what you use for. Um, You pay for what you use, rather. And so I think it's a very straightforward model that allows a ton of predictability, a high degree of visibility, and it ultimately is priced in a way that allows folks to create and generate margin-positive revenue opportunities on their products that they're building. And that is a win-win when we think about better, faster, smarter outcomes for financial services and the transformation that I think is inevitably coming.
0: And I know that for this, you guys have raised quite a bit of money. So how much money have you guys raised to date?
1: We have raised uh, about $85 million to date.
0: And what has been the experience of going from one financing cycle to the next?
1: Well, it's a very storied story because Orem is essentially a pandemic baby. Um, We raised our first institutional round of capital in the spring of 2020. And I say this all the time, but I've never actually raised capital with my shoes on because I'm always sitting at a desk in a home office. At the time, it was my five-year-old's bedroom. Now it's actually my home office. Um, And I think I look to a very different fundraising experience than many ever have because, at the time that this pandemic is starting and March of 2020, it's not like we know the answer to the things we know today that vaccines will come, the market will correct, you know, what's going to happen. And so, at that moment, we're super excited. We've got a big vision, right? All the passion points and the team assembled. And we're sort of facing this moment, which is like, I don't know if there is capital in the market. So, first, I think that is a forcing function to immediately say with what money we do have in the bank, which was a seed check, um, an inspiration check actually from Alexa, an Inspired Capital who had launched Invest. Their seed money, put a, pre-seed money put us in a position to, to prep for going out to raise institutional dollars. And we said, let's pull back. Everybody stops taking a salary. We extend our runway as far as we can because we don't know if we're gonna be able to raise money. So that's actually where the story starts, which is like, I don't know if I'll ever get a dollar. But I'm certain that I'm going to keep working on this problem, and it turned out that we were able to get a dollar or a few in that first round, and and then we started on the journey of building what we thought would be the kind of the first important puzzle piece in a broader vision for payments. And along that journey, we were able to raise subsequent rounds of financing um, that put us in a position today to ultimately be very heads down in the business, where we have a very, I think. Focused kind of first principles approach to what we're working on, but it wasn't always obvious um, that instant payouts was going to be the absolute answer. In fact, in the beginning, um, there was a pretty important component for us around understanding the risk that goes into the payment transaction so that the speed aspect is well managed. Um, And we spent a fair bit of time learning our way through the curation of product market fit and what would work and what wouldn't. And there are definitely learnings out there. I think they don't get talked about often enough where you might have six months, nine months, maybe even a year where you're still figuring it out, right? Now we are past that today, um, but for entrepreneurs listening, it's not linear. And everyone says that, but then you have to have the lived experience. It's not linear. There are board meetings when you're like, I think I know what I'm doing, but I don't have enough data yet. And I just, I think it's just so important to kind of say out loud that um, every entrepreneur, whether they're in tech, whether they're just building you know, a, 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 a standard um, non-tech business, everybody has to have those months, years, weeks, days, whatever it may be of discovery. And I think that is, if done right, actually why you end up building world-class, life-changing, game-changing products because you take the time to discover what's going to work and what's not, um, as opposed to just chasing any and every customer, any and every dollar in the door, because ultimately that won't build transformational companies Um, And I know in my heart that what we're doing at Orem and the time it will take to go from where we are today to billions and billions of dollars of value, it's not a linear path. And the journey of raising $85 million is only the beginning. So truly only the beginning.
0: Now, I know that for you guys too, I mean, the team is fully remote. How many people do you guys have right now? And, And then also, how do you go about having the team completely remote?
1: There's about 45 of us today in about 23 different states. Some are more central to, let's say, the New York region or other places where we originated from. And interesting that you asked me this because last night we had our first ever in-person board meeting. So over all this time, not only have I not met most of the employees, although now today I've met many, if not all of them, um, I had never had an in-person board meeting or a board dinner. So in 2023, that sounds pretty crazy to say, but it's true. And so what did we do? right? We thought about company building a little bit differently. Um, People that work at Orem don't work at Orem to be able to play ping pong ball on their lunch break with free snacks from the kitchen. They work at Orem for wholly different reasons. And we try to celebrate what makes us unique, which is the diversity of thought that we get from diversity of people when you're able to open the aperture of hiring on a national level. Um, We think a lot about mental health and mental well-being. We absolutely pull all-nighters. Um, If there's an incident, if there's a critical service down, if there's a customer problem, Payments is a 24-7, 365 business because of real-time payments, and that's critical for us. But we also recognize that mental health is really important. So the first Friday of every month, we take the day off, and yes, we have on-call coverage, and yes, we're here for our customers, um, but we go and we actually spend time away from the business so that we can spend our best time when we're at work together being really focused. And I mean, there's really funny small things that actually work really well. We have a Hypes and Brags channel and folks love to brag and hype of folks that they're working with, projects are working on. So you don't replace in-person with remote and Zoom is not a fix-all, but you can absolutely build a product, a business, a team, and a culture as long as you put intention to it from anywhere. And so I think it's been a really cool model that has served us really well. Um, in the time that's existed for us. And I I think the question is unknown as to what the future holds on the future of work um, and where everybody's going to want to end up with. Hybrid, in-person, not in-person, fully remote. What I do know is that we are going to continue to follow our true north, um, which is to take an employee-first approach to everything that we think about and to really live by our values um, and to put the customers in the center of everything that we're thinking about.
0: And as you're thinking about future. How do you think about, I mean, the times that we're living in are quite uncertain, you know, with this macro environment as well. How do you think, too, about positioning the company for a potential downturn?
1: I mean, I'm so glad you asked this question because the high of raising money and the fun and energy of curating products market fit and the unique experience of doing um, a remote company sometimes masks the reality, which is the macroeconomic situation is one we cannot hide from. Right. Nobody can hide in a macro setting that is uncertain, um, certainly turbulent. And for today's purposes in January of twenty twenty three, frankly, a little bit dark, right? Super high inflation, ground war in Europe. I mean, record high interest rates from, um, you know, mortgages and loans and things we rely on, um, eggs cost a fortune today, right? Things that are really starting to hurt the bottom line for businesses, for companies. Um, and we're frankly like you know, in the last six months, seeing over 150,000 people laid off from technology jobs. So what do we do with that? Well, we do what I think smart company builders always do is we start with what we can control. And one of the most important things we can control is how do we spend our money? Are we getting ROI on that money? And are we on a unit basis, unit economics profitable? Why or why not? And make sure that the fundamentals make sense. The innovation is awesome. The vision, the opportunity, that's all awesome, but it never materializes without steadfast focus on good company building. And the reason we're in a position today to have raised the amount of money that we have and still have runway is that we've been steadfast about making those calculated, thoughtful, principled bets and maintaining a really deep focus. Now the task at hand is to say, what might we want to do differently in our go-to market to find a different size or shape of customer who's not as industry sensitive or not as concentrated. Um, I think companies that had a portfolio that was all crypto customers or all fintechs might find downturns like this harder. So how do we make sure that our approach to -to go-to-market changes in the profile we're looking for? And ultimately, how do we train our team to be in a position not just to sell to another, let's say, engineer who wants to integrate in one sprint or less, but also... I think in today's market, you're very much selling to a CFO, right? And so CFOs think about bottom line, they think about cost. And so getting our team well-trained and kind of well-armed with pricing levers they can pull uh, and a different approach to make sure that we're mindful of, hey, this is an absolute necessity. What Orem does as the simplest API integration for instant payouts is not a vitamin. It is a painkiller and it drives revenue and it drives bottom line. So that's also really interesting because I think sometimes just even knowing that the positioning of how you're making sure you're touching on what a CFO or a business owner cares about can be the difference between a good sales cycle or a bad sales cycle in an unknown market like the one we sit in today.
0: As we are talking about the future here, Stephanie, imagine you were to go to sleep tonight. (laughs) And thank God you don't have to put an all-nighter. Everything is working good. But uh, imagine you go to sleep tonight and... You wake up in a world where the vision of Aurum is fully realized. What does that world look like?
1: Oh, man, that's such a great question. What I didn't see coming. I love it. Um, So if I wake up tomorrow, the vision of Orem is fully realized. I'm going to have a lot more gray hair than I have today because I don't think it's going to happen overnight. Um, But when it's fully realized, we will have accomplished not just we're the easiest API integration, right? Our vision is so much bigger, which is to build a massive data network and a massive network of next-generation financial services providers uh, that doesn't exclude banks or existing folks today, but it includes a massive population of fintechs and new players who are serving wholly different audiences. And we have realized the potential of instant money transfers by creating a network big enough to transfer within that network and ultimately go from modernizing access to better payment rails, to being the new infrastructure of the future. And then that's not where the story ends. So I don't know if we're going to wake up 10 more years later with even more gray hair, and have another story to tell. But I think we will. um, Because once we're in that position, and today's vision is realized, you are now truly rebuilding financial services from the ground up. And I think that's going to be able to power products and services we've never even thought of today.
0: So we've been talking about the future. Now let's talk a little bit about the past, but doing it so with a little bit of reflection. Imagine I had the opportunity of giving you the chance of going into a time machine and being able to go back in time, maybe to that time where you were graduating from university, you know, in California. And and you were wondering, you know, like, uh, you know, playing, you know, financial planning and then the software and and then, you know, the whole startup, you know, uh, world. Imagine if you had the opportunity of being able to you know sit down with your younger self and being able to give that younger self one piece of advice before launching a business what would that be and why given what you know now
1: mm-hmm. Well I would definitely counsel younger me to wear more sunscreen so that's a starting point <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily change how I turned out in terms of the business outlook and I think I would counsel me to Say so yes even more often, right? It took a pretty big leap of faith to land in a place where I was ultimately pulled into a tech company, a true tech company. And uh, the reality is, the first eight years I spent in my career, yes, I was absolutely a financial planner. I was working on interesting things. I wasn't pushing my boundaries as much as I could have. And if I think about what those eight years could mean in terms of more impact and company building where might I be today further along with Orem because I would have seen the problem sooner. Um, I do think looking back, that opportunity to push through comfort and security and really drive even deeper to my natural instinct around curiosity and continuing to take a leap of faith sooner, I think that would be the push I would give.
0: I love it. So, Stephanie, for the people that are listening that would want to reach out and say hi, what is the best way for them to do so?
1: Hello at Orem.io or hit me up on LinkedIn. And uh, I would love to chat.
0: Amazing. Well, hey, Stephanie, thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show today. It has been an honor to have you with us. Thank you. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help,